it's not as simple as we're walking down the street and we stub our toe on the curb and blood is just gushing everywhere and you know spurting out of our toe and we're like what a great opportunity for growth (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the ziggler show where we inspire your true performance i'm your host kevin miller and right now my co-host tom ziggler and i bring you eric weinmayer imagine climbing mount everest and the seven summits earth's greatest peaks Then imagine kayaking the Grand Canyon, all 277 miles of it, one of the most challenging rivers on the earth. Sound impressive? Well, now close your eyes and imagine doing it blind, because that's what Eric did. Uh, The dynamics involved in doing such a thing equate to someone with a profound experience and ability in things like overcoming fear and discomfort, faith, perseverance, joy, and much more. But it's not just about Eric being a veritable superhero. He does these things to inspire others, uh, all others, as he believes that we all have handicaps that we must deal with and big obstacles to overcome. That's what holds us back. And he is not some drill sergeant saying, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. But he's, he comes to us with an approach of great faith and compassion. Uh, you can connect with Eric and all he's doing at touchthetop.com. And that's where you can get his brand new book, No Barriers. And that's what we're going to dig into today, the message in there, as well as just his own story of overcoming. Well, here then, my co-host, Tom Ziegler, and I bring you a mesmerizing conversation with Eric Weinmayer. Well, Eric, aside from the uh, many reasons to like you, I fell in love with the Rockies, as somebody just mentioned a minute ago. Personally, I claim Jesus right there in the foothills outside of Fort Collins, so it's great to welcome a fellow Coloradoan and Rocky Mountain neighbor and somebody who's actually on the mountain time zone, so thanks. Yeah, I'm here in Golden, Colorado, which is right in the foothills. Really beautiful place, uh, nice little valley with hiking and rock climbing and some ice climbing up the canyon. Wow. Uh, and mountain biking, all the fun kayaking. We have a river that runs through our town. So yeah, it's all the stuff I like. Uh, beautiful. And isn't no barriers, uh, your head, they're headquartered in uh, just right up in Fort Collins. Exactly. Yeah. About an hour up the road okay. north of here and, uh, Fort Collins is a beautiful little community as well. Okay. Well, I, uh, Rocky mountains is my home and it's Tom's too. When he leaves Dallas, this is where he comes. So he, he hangs out by the fire and we have a good time. Yeah, campfire. There's nothing better than uh, mountain air crisp at night in front of a campfire. Uh-uh. Yeah, uh-uh. you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so Eric, man, I have been immersed in your story, in your new book, No Barriers, and just uh, everything you've, you've been around. And I, I you know, I got to admit, wrapping my head around the interview here, I really had to step back and go, man, the depth here is so, so much to get into. Um, I, uh, this could be a three hour interview. It won't be, I won't scare you, <laughs> but, but it could be, and I want to start right off. I mean, the back of your book of this new book, no barrier says Eric doesn't climb mountains to break records. Instead, he operates from a need to prove to himself what he can accomplish and to use his story to help others. And my first thought was, okay, if you are no longer allowed to communicate with others and use your story to inspire people like you are, would it change your personal pursuit of these massive feats? Well, I think in some ways, maybe it would a little bit. I mean, because, you know, at some point, I think everyone realizes 
along the way, you know, you're doing some big things, whether they're physical or whether they're just a struggle in terms of like trying to do something in the business world or whatever it may be. And you reach a point where you say, God, I mean, standing on top of this mountain, is that the final part? Is that the thing like pounding my chest and proving to myself that I can do this thing? And I think I've struggled with that because that is a high. That is a wonderful thing to be on top of whatever it is with your team and just feel proud and emotionally high. And, and then you realize, no, I think there is another step. And that is, you know, you come down the mountain and you come back into the world into life and you use those things you've learned, those things you've learned through your struggle to elevate people and your community and the world around you. And how do you do that? That's the real struggle. So in a way, I sometimes think the mountain, the doing of the thing is, easier. The hard part is marrying that with the real world and now, you know, using it in some way to, to, uh, you know, make, make life better, um, and, and make it go beyond you. Right. Do you primarily in your role overall, and I know you have lots of roles from husband to, to daddy, to business owner, to, uh, to athlete. What do you label yourself though, as professionally, are you a professional athlete an adventurer or a speaker or leader or influence? What, what comes to mind there? <laughs> yeah, you've, you've tapped into something here because I don't know how to label it myself. I mean, a lot of times I see blind adventure, uh, but yeah, lots of different things. Um, uh, I think I'm most proud of uh, my work with No Barriers, this organization that I started about 13 years ago uh, and and hoping that this thing would become a movement because uh, trying to understand what this No Barriers life looks like for all of us, not just blind people or people with physical challenges, but you know the whole world having, quote unquote, invisible challenges, you know, these challenges that you may not be able to touch but uh, they're real challenges. And how do we break through those things? How do we tap into the soul, the human spirit, the light that exists inside of us and, and then find purpose and then contribute back to the world in some way. To me, that that's been a, something I've been fascinated with for most of my life. So I'm just, I'm want you to speak to this, you know, dad um, had so many quotes on goal setting Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things he said is it's, you know, achieving the goal is important, but who you become in the process is even more important. Agree. Yeah. Your dad and you are wise because I, I, I think you only learn that over time. You know, it, it, the goal is the easy thing. People are like, what did you, you know, learn from standing on that summit? And you're like, well, in itself, there's lots of things I learned, but the, the very fact of standing on a summit doesn't teach you anything. Yes, it's the person that you become through that process. And, you know, when I went blind just before my freshman year in high school, um, you know, I I was doing all the wrong things. Like I was looking out into the world and, you know, blaming and attacking and reacting and responding. And it was a few, you know, different things that that happened in my life that made me realize, okay, I'm looking in the wrong direction. What I should where I need to look is within me because I need to grow what I have inside and, and nurture it and use that as my vision to blaze into the world and, and, and shape my direction 
and and what the things are that you look at are I think are are your values. You know, what is your core value? Uh, for me, I thought like I hate being inside this box, this prison that I partly self created. I hate uh, being isolated. I want to be part of things that are bigger than me. I want to have adventure. Uh, and um, once I got in touch with those things and started creating goals that were in alignment with that vision, with, with those values, excuse me, um, it, it changed the whole tra- trajectory of my life. And I went rock climbing. I, uh, I, I, I joined teams. And uh, 16 years later, I was standing on top of the world. So, so definitely, uh, that's, I think that's an incredibly wise statement that I can attest to. Your bio, just on something that you said there, made me think your bio, it says, Eric uh, continually seeks out new adventures, focusing his efforts on empowering people traditionally swept to the sidelines of life. He founded the organization, across, of course, uh, No Barriers, which helps people with challenges tap into the human spirit, break through barriers and contribute to the world. Do you struggle somewhat with the, and I, I didn't know how to say this, the average person or just the person with no, you know, official handicaps. And yet they let themselves be overcome by these average obstacles. Is that a, is that a little extra frustrating coming from the perspective that you are? You know, so that's a really good question. And you might think that that would be the case, but actually it's the opposite. Um, I don't put myself up on any kind of pedestal like blindness is this really big obstacle or barrier that's better or harder than anything else that we all struggle with every day. In fact, um, you know, one of the things I learned through creating no barriers was getting to work with amazing people, but people who have really struggled and sometimes their struggle is like, Hey, you know, like I want to get off painkillers. Uh, you know, I've been a veteran. I come on these painkillers and they're not serving me anymore. I got to struggle. I want to figure out a way to get off this and, and, and get my life under control again. Or um, there was a guy I met along the way who wanted to uh, walk down a set of stairs again. That was his Everest. Uh, or a lady who had a disease, uh, like, an, like a, you know, I think it was multiple sclerosis, and she wanted to ride bikes with her kids. And, uh, and so we set her up with this, um, this electric motor on her bike and, and when it, that kicks in when she gets tired and she can ride her bike with her kids. Um, honestly, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the real barriers that people feel, you know, like, um, you know, the shame or the fear um, or the anxiety or the self doubt. I mean, those are the real barriers I think that get in our way. And so I, I think whether you're blind or not, every single human being have those struggles. And so, no, I really have empathy for those things because at the time when they're holding you back, they are real. Yeah. So I'm curious. So on that empathy, do you, and again, I I went so deep into some of your stuff and, and, and some of the stories. And then of course, with what you're doing with no barriers and the amazing things that people have done with these official handicaps. And of course you with being blind that with empathy is there. So as I listen to you now, is there almost a place of, uh, Without having an official handicap, here I am. Am I at a, am I at risk of a bigger disability? Well, I think because I went blind, it was an, it was something to channel. It was something to say, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to let blindness be the reason why I can't do things. But in a way, a person without that physical disability, their challenges are more nuanced. 
And I, and, and I think in a way we're more equipped to deal with the big adversities than the small ones, the little mosquitoes that are constantly biting us and kind of holding us mm-hmm. down. So I, I believe in this idea of alchemy. You know, I write a lot about it in the book. It's the idea of taking those adversities, the, the, the big ones, but also the small ones and, and really pinpointing them and trying to figure out how do you take those adversities, kind of grab the energy and use that energy to propel your, yourself forward to places that you might not go to, honestly, in any other way. And so, uh, so, so I think that's, that's an art and a science that we can all practice in our lives. Uh, it's not just this kind of silly thing that people say, you know, making lemons into lemonade. It's it's saying, okay, like I'm going to reach and I'm going to strive in my life and there are going to be things that are going to hold me back. Uh, sometimes things are going to get me stuck or things that will shatter me. Um, but but uh, but those aren't going to be the things that stop me. Those are the going to be the fuel that drive me forward and and, and very probably unexpected ways, you know, because there is some flailing and bleeding along the way. So some unexpected ways <laughs> that, uh, that propel me forward, uh, and, and can lead to these amazing discoveries in our lives. And I, I think it is a decision that we make. It's just a decision that we're going to live in that no barriers type of way, or we get trapped and we, you know, say, okay, I'm just stuck here and there's nothing I can do. So, I want to talk a little bit about uh, faith and I want to give you a quote. I'm working on this quote. Um, so I don't know how time tested it is yet, but here it is. Uh, the reality of faith is that faith comes before reality. Yeah. And so the idea is, is that in your mind, I know you can envision I'm going to climb Everest. I'm going to, you know, conquer the seven peaks. I'm going to, I'm going to start this organization that helps people break their own barriers. So how do you, I mean, how do you envision faith, right? Because so many people, I I feel like they have this thing inside of them. They know they can do, but for whatever reason, they just don't do it. And, faith has got to precede reality, right? Until we can like envision it and see it and then take action on it, then the reality doesn't happen. So faith comes first. So what do you say to people who are like in that stuck mode? Uh, I just think you're tapping into something that you could spend a lifetime trying to understand. And then you just grasp the surface of it. Um, You know, uh, Helen Keller, I think she said something like, uh, you know, people say, Seeing is believing. Well, it's the opposite. Believing is seeing. I agree hundred yeah. percent with what you're talking about. I mean, it's, and, and I'll tell you not to be too long winded, but I mean, like when I began kayaking, I was so full of fear. I had climbed Everest. I'd climbed the seven summits. I was supposed to be immune to this. And then I just sat on the side of the river and I just thought, why do I feel so scared? Uh, like an overwhelmed, like, aren't I supposed to be like the Everest guy, you know? And, uh, and, and it just doesn't work that way. And, and, and I realized as I was kayaking that the river became this big metaphor because there's this sort of energy that we're riding and we can't always control it. It's a massive energy and sure, we're going to make our moves. We're going to try to influence as much as we can, like I did in the kayak. But at some point, you let go, and you just ride that massive storm 
of energy forward. And Harlan, who is sort of my guru on the river, he was one of my guides. He said, you know, you ha- it comes down to this, Eric. Do, do you think that this is a terrible journey that's going to swallow you up and, you know, just suck you down into nothingness? Or is this a, is this a good journey? It's, it's like you, you have to come to this fundamental decision. Is the journey a good one with great payoffs or is it, or is it sort of towards nothingness? Right. You know, you, you, I think I, I chose to believe that it's towards something beautiful and profound that's mysterious that you don't fully understand. You don't fully grasp. It's like kayaking a river you'll never see, but it's, it's worth the effort. And, and, and it is a great, uh, journey full of gifts and, and it's, it's, it's a blessing. You know, dad, dad's life verse, uh, was Romans eight twenty eight, which says all things work together for good. And yeah. basically that's the metaphor you just gave. We can choose to see it as our destruction or as the thing that takes us to the place we're meant to be. Yeah. And there's other people along the journey that I wrote about. Um, I listened to on the river, a lot of, uh, um, music from my friend, Mandy Harvey, on my iPhone. And uh, Mandy is a, uh, uh, a lady, beautiful, beautiful lady from Fort Collins, actually, or from, from the Denver area, maybe. And she uh, went deaf. She was a mu- She wanted to be a music teacher. She went deaf in college. So, you know, not good for your music program. And she gave up music. She thought I'm done. And um, then her dad convinced her to start singing again, just in a, you know, non-pressured way. And then her singing coach uh, heard a recording and said, you have perfect pitch. You still have perfect pitch. And, and, and so Mandy came to some of our No Barriers events and sang for our people. And a deaf musician singing in perfect pitch. She's so beautiful, she'll make you cry. Like, it's so incredibly beautiful. And then she, from her No Barriers experience, she decided that she'd start writing music. Now, this is crazy, right? This is a deaf person who will never hear the music that they are writing. And she does it anyway. And I thought, okay, now that moves into faith. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, like you think that you have some kind of anchor, some kind of navigational system in your life, but, but beyond all that, it's just, we're, we're just going on faith. We're, we're floating in this vast ocean and we just have to have faith that we are going to reach the destination. Uh, You know, and, and and that's the way Mandy is. And she, she summoned up the courage. She went on, this really a uh, really popular show called America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, she finished fourth. She finished in the finals. Uh, and, and she's, uh, you know, she's a, she's a big famous star now. So I'm so proud of her, but yeah, it's just wow. so many of these things are about faith. Hey, that uh, show. So my, I got a big family. We don't have regular TV, but we can pull stuff up online and America's Got Talent and American Ninja Warrior. Those seem to be the, uh, the popular ones in our house. And I got little, <laughs> yeah, little look boys. Mandy, you'll see. She has this I, beautiful I, song called Try. No, I was going to say, we did. I've watched oh, it multiple okay, times. Good. And in your statement of uh, it makes you want to cry, absolutely. I mean, when we saw her very first clip, uh, I think we did, as she did afterwards on her song. And unbelievable. And yeah, I, I saw her on your website and on Instagram and what a great uh, role model and, and spokesperson for for what you're doing. Hey, friends, as we continue here, of course, you can get Eric's book, No Barriers, wherever you buy books or get it and connect with all he's doing at touchthetop.com, touchthetop.com. 
com. And if you're enjoying the show, please let us know by leaving a review in iTunes. Here are two great services with really great offers for Ziggler listeners. First is Top Resume. I mean, your resume is the most important tool in your job search because it is your first impression. It's your ticket to the interview. The resume experts at Top Resume know how to get you noticed. With Top Resume, you'll work with an expert writer to create a resume that showcases your achievements, experience, and career goals. They'll highlight keywords and skills that recruiters are seeking and ultimately get you interviews faster by telling the best version of your story. Top Resume has been proven to result in two to three times more interviews for job seekers. That's because a professionally written resume is 60% more likely to be read by recruiters and three times more likely to be chosen for follow-up by recruiters based on formatting and presentation alone. So Top Resume even gives you a 60-day interview guarantee. If you don't get twice as many interviews, they'll rewrite your resume for free. If you'll go to topresume.com slash Ziggler, you'll get started there and they'll give Ziggler listeners 10% off a resume writing service package. So again, topresume.com slash Ziggler for 10% off a resume writing service package. Well, next is Grasshopper. If you are an entrepreneur, a small business owner, or even if you just have a side gig, Grasshopper is the entrepreneur's phone system. Grasshopper lets you run your business from your cell phone while keeping your business and personal lives separate. I love that. Choose from a huge inventory of local toll-free or vanity toll-free numbers. Simply forward your new number to your mobile phone and start taking calls immediately. So whether you're in your office, in your car, out shopping for the holidays, Days, Grasshopper's iPhone and Android apps help you stay connected to your customers. You can send and receive calls and texts from your business phone number, set up multiple extensions for everyone on your team, get your voicemails transcribed and emailed to you, work from anywhere with call forwarding, make and receive calls from your computer via the desktop app, and even utilize Wi-Fi calling. Better yet, Grasshopper offers an easy and instant setup and 24-7 customer support, all without any long-term contracts. Be professional, responsive, and efficient with Grasshopper. So get your business phone number today. Go to grasshopper.com slash Ziggler to get 20 bucks off your first month. Again, grasshopper.com slash Ziggler. You know, I, I want to go back to what you talked about in the river and fear. And you mentioned that, uh, that was, I mean, the stuff that you've done, actually reading the book, no barriers. And as you're going into the grand Canyon and you get to the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but that really bad spot that you had to go into and you were rehearsing how to go through it. And, and I, I honestly am thinking, I, I cannot imagine doing that well at all, uh, much less even, even blind. And it made me go back to my childhood. And I remember the first time cliff diving, not diving, cliff jumping, you know, as, yeah. as a kid, but getting up there. And I, I was a, I was a big kid, strong kid, very, um, self-confident kid. And I remember getting to the edge of it and looking down and going, Whoa, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good here. Guy. I'm not, <laughs> this is not good, but I'm not going to, there's no way I'm going to back down. So I step back for a second, you know, get my wits about me, step back up, look down, no different. And it just dawned on me that there, I'm not, there's no, I can come to here 20 times, which you'd see other kids do, you know, who just couldn't get up the, the muster to do it. I'm, there's no way I'm going to get comfortable with this. The only thing I'm going to do is jump off really scared or not jump. <laughs> and so, 
And so that was my question for you. And all these r- ridiculous to, to the average person things that you're doing with, with no handicap, much less when you, you can't even see to go in what you did as I read through, uh, you going through the Grand Canyon. Are you just now, again, you just talked about faith and going, you said, uh, uh, is it a good one or not? And having faith in it, but do you, have you made comfort with going in and going in scared anyways, or have you gotten to a point of peace that takes away some of the fear? We're all striving for peace. Right. And it, and it's, it's a messy thing. It's a hard thing to obtain. So, um, I think, um, there's fear that's so paralyzing that you can't break out of it, you know, becomes like a prison that you can't break out of. So my life, I tried to break out of that. Um, but no, despite that a hundred percent, there is fear. It's like getting comfortable in an environment that by its very nature is uncomfortable. Uh, and, and, uh, so for me, yeah, that was lava falls, Mm, um, kayaking lava. Uh, I was so overwhelmed by fear. Uh, my friend, uh, Ryan Kelly, he is, uh, one of the veterans that took part in our uh, no barriers program. He says, courage is something you practice, right? It's not like a state of being. It's not something you have or don't have. It's something that you practice. Uh, so he's like, you know, constantly in his life after getting hurt, he tries to sort of regain uh, his belief that he can influence his life by making insignificant acts of courage, he calls it, you know, just, hmm. you know, just uh, going on a hike when he's maybe, uh, you know, afraid and he wants to stay home in his basement, you know, or, uh, or, or, you know, wearing a goofy t-shirt that he loves that he knows that other people hate, you know, uh, you know, drinking uh, uh, lemonade instead of a beer, just these, these small acts of courage. And so he taught me a lot. So I think, yeah, courage is something you practice. And then lava falls, um, I got destroyed my run down lava. So um, I, uh, I had to make a decision. And, you know, at first you want to run and you want to flee, you want to protect, you want to, you know, you, you want to do all the things that we want to do on the surface. And then you have to sort of say, you know, that's not life, right? Like, sure, there are, there are some times where you want to just like escape, right? Like from a grizzly bear. But sometimes you got to turn into something. The best thing, the best therapy, the best way forward is to lean into it and, um, and, and sort of open your heart to that experience, to the f- pain and s- fear and sadness and frustration and just take it all in. And that's what I was able to and, you know, I managed to do, um, my second run of lava. Yeah. And that was a, a tremendous story. I, I want to come back you, your statement there of insignificant acts of courage. And, and I think it'd be of interest to you, but for our listeners, for those of you who listen to show, uh, 484 is with Joshua Spodek, our, uh, astrophysicist and professor at NYU and the guy who's known for his record of burpees and, and on all the good stuff. But he talked about sitch, a self-imposed daily challenging, healthy activity. And it was in essence, what you were talking about right there. Um, Eric is, it was a doing these things every day and he was focused on a healthy activity, but the things that you don't have to do that nobody's, yeah. nobody cares. Nobody may know it's only for you. And yeah. it makes me think of that insignificant act of courage. That's not for any outcome other than, mm. uh, what, how it's training your brain and your yes. faith and your soul. Okay. Yeah. It's training your, your, your brain, your soul, your mindset. Um, and, and so, um, 
if I have a message, I mean, it's definitely not to go out and climb Everest or kayak the Grand Canyon. I mean, that was my journey, but it definitely is to, to reach and challenge yourself and get uncomfortable uh, because that's where, that's the decision that we make that brings us towards those discoveries, towards those gifts. And, uh, you know, and, and, and with no berries, I've gotten to work with thousands and thousands of people that are in dark places. They, and that kills that light that kills the soul. And, uh, so, so how do you nurture that thing inside, uh, and, and, uh, and make it blaze. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, even though, uh, no barriers is kind of a secular organization, we're open to everyone. Uh, it's still, it's, you can't avoid this faith topic. It's like, there's something inside of us that you got to grow, that you got to reckon with. Uh, and we have so many people that have almost lost it. You know, they're just in these dark places and they come and they, they, with an open heart, they take part in the process. They want to quit like their brain. That's the self sabotaging mechanism just wants to make them quit every step of the way, but they stick with the process and they go through it. And, um, and then they figure out a way to elevate despite all their fears and foibles. In in the book uh, that dad wrote with my sister, Julie called embrace the struggle. Um, we talk about struggles and there's the illustration of, of bull riders. <laughs> and I don't know if you have heard this, but sometimes when a bull rider gets bucked off, their hand is still tied to the bull. I've heard of that. <laughs> and the clowns run in while the bull's trying to gore them and kick them and stomp them. Uh, and they try to untie the hand. But this is what's interesting is they teach the bull rider to hug the bull. Right. Because the closer you are to the bull, the safer you are because he can't mm. gore you and he can't mm. step on you. Mm. And so oh, I'm wondering if, if that, that. That's that such a great, that's such a great story that is, illustrates the exact thing. I mean, I wrote about that in No Barriers in a, in a different way, but almost in an identical way, because a friend of mine, one of my heroes is Hugh Herr. <clears throat> he lost his, his legs uh, in a climbing accident in North Conway, New Hampshire. Uh, they got frostbite and they had to be amputated. And in the process of trying to rescue Hugh, uh, a young rescue worker came out <clears throat> on the search and rescue team and he was caught in an avalanche and killed. And so Hugh, as you can imagine, was a pariah in that town. You know, he's responsible for the loss of a life. And um, so what did he do? I mean, what's the, what's the thing that, that you should do on the surface? You should flee, right? You should change the course of your life? No. Well, you know, Hugh tapped into this deeper thing. And he moved back to North Conway, of course. And he started uh, building climbing harnesses for a local company there. And... Um, and I wouldn't say ultimately like he was taken in under the wing of the family or anything, but that he became, um, he became a really important part of the community and people started to accept him. And then he uh, started building his own legs, his prosthetic legs, uh, using them to climb uh, feet that he could, he could use that were like little doorstops that he could use to wedge into little cracks. It seems no human foot could even stand up in. And he became, one of the top 10 climbers in America. And then after he climbed as hard as he ever would, he decided to go back to school and now runs the biomechatronics laboratory at MIT. Wow. Uh, building, you know, $65 million prosthetic legs that 
you know, think hundreds of times a second that are enabling people to walk. So yeah, this idea of turning in, it's, it, you see it over and over and over. Uh, Harlan Taney, who was my guide down the river, um, his dad uh, died uh, in a seizure, had a seizure, and he died in the bathtub. And Harlan found him when he was seven years old. He didn't talk for a year. Well, okay, seeing his dad uh, drowned in the bathtub, I mean, you know, of course, you're terrified of water. Well, Harlan turns in and becomes one of the best kayakers in the world, Wow. Right. So it's just this crazy thing that's a go, that goes so deep um, that that defies reason. So you in working, you, you mentioned a minute ago that no barriers. It's not just for people that have a you know significant challenge or disability or handicap or whatever. It's for it's for anyone. But in I mean, you've spoken to, to, to audiences of, of all you know makes of, of humanity and you, of course, you've got a book here that, that everybody's going to read. It's going to inspire everybody. So everybody across the board and in going through that, I thought, I want to hear the answer to this question. What handicap, what are some handicaps that you would say, man, and I'm not talking about just physical, but uh, the handicaps that we have self-imposed, whatever, that's far worse than just being blind. Well, I think, you know, I wrote a second book called the adversity advantage and I, sort of tried to answer that question. I teamed up with this scientist, Dr. Paul Stoltz, and um, he had this global resiliency project and he Mm -hmm. studied teams around the world. And we came away understanding that people kind of fall into three categories. And we just, we just named these categories. They're quitters, campers, or climbers. Um, Quitters are self-explanatory. You know, there's folks who, um, just sort of quit before they even get started. And, and those are really hard. That's, you know, that's a hard thing to, to, to work with, but we found that the most of the world are campers. And there are those of us who start out climbing with hope, with optimism, with excitement. And then just somewhere along that ascent, things get in the way. And so I've been fascinating. What are those things that get in the way? You know, we lose belief, right, in ourselves uh, or in the cause, or um, maybe we, you know, get to a spot where we just say, like, look, I mean, to go any higher than this is really painful and scary and torturous and suffering, and I, I'm not willing to make that commitment. Um, or, or we go out and we get hurt, really, like emotionally, psychologically, and we say, God, that was so incredibly painful. I never want to experience anything like that again. So we stop. Or cynicism starts pouring down around our brain. Or the world changes around us and we just go, whoa, how did it change? I don't feel ready or equipped anymore. Whatever it is, you know, or maybe just we get beat down, right? We just get exhausted and shoved to the sidelines. So that's what I think is, is I call it camping. You know, we, we stagnate personally. And, but, but, but worse than that, you know, all our energy, all our potential, all our life force, it's, it's lost to the world. That's the real tragedy of that. And climbers are sort of a smaller group. They're those people who continue to figure out how to grow and evolve and explore and challenge themselves, you know, every day of their lives, as hard as that may be. So, you know, the, you know, part of that book and part of my life's work has been trying to figure out how do you help people to climb? 
when, you know, that is not another logical decision, right? Because sitting on the couch and hanging out in the safe spot, that's the logical decision, right? That's, that's going to give you an easier life. Like who's asking for a harder life? Uh, so, so um, yeah, it makes sense to camp, but yet despite that, we want to figure out how to climb and that's not climbing Everest. It's just climbing um, through whatever journey we are, we're in. But I like how you just said growing. Um, it's a, a growth, a growth mindset, you, you know, in, so we show 405 that we did. I interviewed, uh, Tom, I imagine you did it with me, John O'Leary, um, oh, wow. author of, uh, the book on fire, who of course, as a kid, he was in an accident, got third degree burns over. I think it was 90% of his body. He should, he should have died. And I, I don't know if it was in his book or in our interview or what, but it just stuck in my head because he was, he was, the question was posed, would he, if he could go back and change the past, have that accident, uh, you know, of course not happen. And he said, no, um, he, he wouldn't change that because due to the gifts and the redemption that he received as, as a result, he, he would not. And I, I got to admit just candid admission. It's, it was difficult for me. I mean, I get the idea. I get the idea of the redemption and the gifts, but man, to go back and, and to, to let that happen again, uh, I don't know. It just, it just stuck in within me and has continued to be something I've thought about. And I wanted to pose the same question to you is, would you go back and change going blind before your freshman year? If you could, uh, it's a really good question. And it's a hard question. Uh, you know, I've heard blind people or people with, you know, different kinds of physical challenges say like this was a gift and I wouldn't change it. Uh, and I respect that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not as simple as we're walking down the street and we stub our toe on the curb and blood is just gushing everywhere and, you know, spurting out of our toe. And we're like, what a great opportunity for growth. No, <laughs> I mean, it, you know. So I don't, I don't think it's, we, we don't want to kind of oversimplify it. You know, uh, I think after your toe gushes with blood, you lay on the, on the street, on the sidewalk, and you pound your fists against the ground and you rail against how unfair life is. Um, and, and, and then once you're done with that, the quicker you get up, and you say, okay, how do I use this experience as the fuel to power my life forward? The better off you're going to be. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily saying that like my gift of getting burned or losing my sight is this great gift. I think it's saying no matter who we are, we are going to get beat down. We're going to get stuck. We're going to get shattered. And how do we use that as an advantage uh, in our lives? So whatever we have to look at the prag practical nature of that, the pragmatism of that and say, I will use this as an advantage in my life to move forward. To me, I think that's more universal. You can use that no, no matter whether you've been blinded or you've gotten injured or not. I, I, I love that. How can I use it as an advantage to move forward? I'll make a call out to my son, Caleb, who I'm going to ask to, to listen to this. He's 22 and, uh, has had a, a long journey of medical issues and things that he could not control. And he's kind of at that spot right now. And that will be, that statement will be a gift to him. Thank you. Um, sure. In that same sense, somewhat, I, 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 do you pursue opportunities to, and I am, uh, here's my ignorance on the exact 
pathology of, of your condition, uh, is there a possibility you pursue opportunities sometime in the future that it could, uh, it could ultimately restore sight. Is that a, an interest in pursuit? Yeah. I mean, I'm involved in all kinds of, uh, cool research and, you know, retinal research, uh, that I support and so forth, but, um, I'll never get my sight back. I, I, uh, I don't have eyes. I, these are prosthetic eyes. Oh, uh, didn't know yeah, that. So, there you go. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a lost cause and <laughs> okay. I'm happy with that. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, yeah. you know, I think, uh, what I, Mandy Harvey and I, you know, she being the deaf singer and me yeah. being the blind climber, uh, we had conversations like this, you know, like, Hey, to move forward, sometimes you got to kill that thing. You know, I killed sight a long time ago. I stabbed it and I said goodbye. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And she did the same thing with hearing, you know, um, otherwise that becomes like kind of the thing that, you know, keeps one foot on the beach and one foot in the water. You know, you're never sure, uh, what your commitment is. So, um, so th- I'm fine with that, but I do, uh, I am a guinea pig for all kinds of technologies. Uh, one I, I write about in the book and it's called, uh, the brain port. And it was invented by this incredible scientist named Dr. Paul Baccarita, who had this idea of neuroplasticity that the brain can, uh, create new pathways once others have been damaged, uh, or once other parts of your body have been damaged, the brain can compensate that your brain's very plastic. And yeah. so I have this camera, I wear it on my head on a pair of glasses and it projects a video image, a digital video image to through a microprocessor to a plate that I wear on my tongue. And that plate has all these vibrating little dots. They're like, they're called tactors. They're like little pixels that vibrate. And so the light and dark is translated into little pictures on my tongue. Uh, and I've used it to climb. Uh, just recently, I, I had a friend of mine, a little uh, kid over who's blind, he's 16. And we used it to climb a rock wall together. Uh, you know, you can actually look up and see the dark holds against the light wall in the rock gym, that is. And you can reach up and f- grab those holds in space. Uh, it's a really cool device. So yeah, I'm experimenting with things like that. Uh, I taught my son how to read with this device. Uh, we brought this little boy home, Arjun from Nepal when he was five and, uh, he had to learn to read. So I could see the note cards on my tongue and I taught him partly how to read. So that was, it's been really incredible. That's unreal. I I was going to ask about that. Just mention that, that you, was that a connection to your Mount Everest feet that you, uh, went and adopted a little boy from Nepal? Well, it's kind of a long story that it took a lot of pages to sort of process through, but my brother Mark died, um, partly due to complications around alcoholism. Mm. And, um, you know, Mark always talked about like not living a safe life, but living like this sort of chaotic life, just packed with love and adventure. And so I thought, okay, you know, these, uh, these things that happened to us, um, you know, these, these dark things, how to, take that energy and use them for something good. You know, life has a lot of like sort of burned out, you know, um, ditches, you know, burned out, you know, holes of, you know, like combat zones, you know, and how do you, how do you grow love in the, in those holes? And, and so I thought, okay, if Mark is speaking to me, um, let's, let's bring some chaos and love into our family. Uh, and, uh, the natural place I looked was Nepal because I, I'd gotten so much out of that country. And so we, uh, went on this two year 
uh, journey to try to bring this little boy home. And it was touch and go. And Nepal was in the midst of a civil war. Um, but we, we finally got him home and, uh, he's, he just turned uh, 15. He's, uh, oh, wow. he's playing soccer and, uh, he's a joy to us. He's a pain in the butt, but he's a joy. <laughs> well, there's the honest parenting coming out. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. I, you know, in the business that we're in, we, one of our primary missions is to bring hope and encouragement. Yes. And that's what we do. And I'm just intrigued with the thousands of people that you come in contact with who are having to embrace whatever their struggle is. And we were working with a group of guys, uh, military wounded warriors. Um, and I made a statement and it resonated but I don't, I have the experience with maybe a hundred, you've got thousands. And, and, and the statement I said was uh, what you have in life can be taken from you in an instant, mm-hmm. you know, your money, your stuff, what you do. Cause these guys were blown up. Mm-hmm. It was taken from them in an instant. Yeah. But then I said, but who you are can only be surrendered. So things can be taken from us, but the essence of who we are can only be surrendered. And so every time I say that, there's this little nagging thing in me that says, well, that's probably 99% true, but is it 100% true? And I just wanted to see how that resonated with you. Yeah, I think it is this. I think it is a delicate process, right? I mean, you know, like when I was learning to kayak, I was, as I told you, I was full of fear. And um, I realized over time, like um, my son, by the way, Arjun, he came home and he had some self-doubt issues, right? Like he, you know, we were standing on the edge of the sand dune one time and uh, and we were racing to the top and I said, AJ, you're about to beat me. And he stopped. And I thought, okay, what, wait, why did he stop? That He should have like had a Rocky Balboa moment and right. run to the top and beat me here. And uh, I realized that like, you know, why do you, why would, if you have self-doubt, why would you try if, why would you put yourself through the hell of trying when you know, you're just going to fail anyway. Right. And, and, uh, so, so if you are riddled with that kind of doubt, then it sabotages your, your reach. And I thought, okay, I've always been a rallier in my life, but why am I so afraid of kayaking? And I realized it wasn't the fear of death or drowning. Actually, it was the fear that I would that I wouldn't live up to my expectations of myself and I would let myself down and I'd let my team down and I would sort of scratch that vinyl record of the psyche, you know, that I would scratch that thing and, and, and I would damage it or shatter it. And I, and, and I wouldn't be able to live up to the person I wanted to be. And I thought in that way, Arjun and I are the same. Uh, we're, we're exactly the same. So I think there is a kind of surrendering, right. Of letting go of all that baggage of letting go of the things that have happened to us, you know, the things that have happened to us, letting all uh, go of all that stuff and, and, and not fully letting go because it will affect you, right? It's, it's going to shape you no matter what, but, but, but sort of letting go of it and kind of reshaping it into something beautiful and profound that, that, that is, is a positive force versus a negative force. Once I was able to sort of let go of that, uh, perception and fear of what I could or couldn't be and sort of reshaped it. 
um, I found that it was incredibly releasing. It was like freedom. And so, uh, no, I agree with what you're saying. It's a surrendering uh, and a reshaping uh, into and 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 into something uh, that 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 is a beautiful, profound energy in the world. Well, speaking of profound, you have such a profound experience, of course, and that's what you bring to us. And from that, such a profound uh, message uh, that I have have gotten to be privy to now. You speak to so many people, you reach so many people, your book's going to reach so many people. What are ways that you, that, that, that maybe you found that people will tend to, for their own reasons, discount your message and perspectives oh. that they may have that you can dispel? <laughs> well, the brain's full of, uh, full of discounting. <laughs> In yeah, fact, when people come into our program, uh, we lose a person almost every program because you know they come in and they use and ex- they use something as the reason why you know they shouldn't trust this process why they shouldn't trust life you know they've been hurt right so you know when, when you've been hurt now you're looking for ways of uh of of blowing things up before it gets scary just like what Arjun and I had been doing you know to you know before you go through the hell of of keeping of of you know just ripping and pulling your heart open and saying, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be open to this experience. I'm going to lean in. You blow things up and it's a self protective mechanism. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the brain is full of them. And, uh, I think part of it is just like when I was learning to kayak, you know, you're riding the energy of the, uh, on the surface of the river, but really that energy is created from, all the obstacles and all the stuff far beneath the surface, way down deep. And I think that's what people have to do. They have to take the time to dive down deep into their, into their soul and into their, into their psyche and, and understand what are those things that drive them? What are, how are the ways that they're communicating and the ways that they're going forward, the way they're sabotaging themselves, how are those affecting their lives? Um, and, uh, we talk a lot about this at no barriers. It's, it's know thyself, right. And, uh, people don't take the time to do that. So, yeah, I mean, the, the brain will, uh, come up with every excuse under the, under the sun to, uh, separate and to discount. Well, you are a giant amongst inspiration, but, uh, I've been around enough to know that that's coming out of a well of yourself that, that is filled with inspiration and wanted to know, and and I'll actually, I'll I'll wrap on this for folks that you, what is it, who, who, or what has most inspired you lately? Most recently, what's at the top of your list? Um, well, um, recently I met a lady at our last no barriers summit uh, Karen, and she, uh, was one of our, she was volunteering as one of our sponsors. She wasn't a participant. She was a sponsor. She was a volunteer. And I found that she was as no barriers as you get. Um, her son, uh, had died. Um, he was just really affected by PTSD. He had gotten home from Iraq and, uh, he just never could climb out of it and he killed himself. And Karen was just devastated. She was crushed. And, um, 
And then she joined, she, the way she got to know No Bears was she joined um, to volunteer and lead one of our programs. It was our program with kids who have lost parents to war mm. and violence. We call Children of the Fallen. And she shows up the first day and the kids are like, who are you? Like, what do you have to teach us? What do you know about pain? What do you know about this topic? And she <laughs> tells them her story. And she told me it was like um, sort of hanging on to like a pull-up bar or something and uh, pulling herself up while at the same time pulling others up with her. Wow. Uh, and I thought that's a perfect example. It's like not like the two things are separated. The two things go hand in hand. We're, we're sort of pulling ourselves up. We're pulling ourselves up through this experience as at the same time we're trying to, we're trying to pull others up and, and elevate them as well. And she achieved both. She was a, she's been a great leader in our programs. And uh, every day she heals through her service to others. And I think that's a great message. Well, your message is, again, it's just, just profound. The, the book, No Barriers, it, it first reminded me of, uh, gosh, crack hours, you know, into thin air because it gives the, the story of this thing. But well, it's, it's really like, gosh, where did I see, uh, forgive me, somebody gave me, didn't Philip Yancey give you a, a testimony somewhere along the line? It might've been for the previous book. Um, but where he said out of all the books that would seemingly be similar, there's nothing that made my heart pound and resonated a, as much as your book, because it's your personal story and the anecdotes that go along with this incredible story. That's movie worthy. Uh, just thank you. I, I just thank felt you. so much gratitude for what you're doing out there. We will be promoting no barriers, uh, as much as we can. And, uh, yeah, what a gift I'll, uh, at some point, since we're in the same state here, what a couple hours apart, we'll have to get together and break bread. Uh, but thank you so much. Yeah, let's do it. And, uh, yeah, let's, I'd love to hear people's feedback, uh, in the book because everyone has their own no barriers experience, their own no barriers journey that they're struggling with and, uh, trying to build their own map. So it's fun to connect with people. So reach out to us. Well, thank you. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Eric. What a blessing. Thank you. Nice to meet you both. Well, hey, friends, I am admittedly just in awe of Eric's achievements, but even more his character and his desire to serve others and just this message he brings us. You can connect with Eric, buy the book, get inspired by going to touchthetop.com. Touchthetop.com. Again, incredible book, No Barriers. Hey, did you get value here? Will you help us and Eric by letting us know with an iTunes review? It's the best way to say thanks. Well, coming up in show 505, we take you behind the scenes with Eric and into his daily habits for success. You'll hear how he was able to donate a million dollars last year to his own charity and that he just turned 49 and in many ways is still figuring out what he wants to do with his life. I think a lot of us can resonate with that to some degree. Well, now then, hey, thank you. Thanks for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.